Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Boss Podcast. I'm Kurt Bailey and I'm here to rummage around the Boss Archive and bring you some of the top talks we've had over the years. This week, Bidiana Wu talks about the issues women in tech face every day. The Business of Software podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. When you come to BOSS, we expect you, like the vast majority of people that do, to be open-minded. Take the time to listen to others. Be nice to the people you don't think can help you. You'll be constantly surprised at what happens. Above all, we want to help our community be more tolerant and welcoming to others. We want people to be able to have fierce debates about important things and walk away as friends. Discussion is a great thing, but it can be dangerous online. It's hard to make nuanced arguments on Twitter. Behind every face, there is a human being. Take a moment to try and understand their perspective and how you can improve their day. The little things really do matter. Women in tech, LGBT in tech, Hispanics in tech. There's always an endless list of groups that are underrepresented in technology and simply do not have the voices they deserve. This makes them, by definition, the weakest members of society. Not in terms of ability, but in having their opinions, views and beliefs respected or even considered by the majority. This talk from Boss USA here's Brianna Wu looking at the nine ways we can stop hurting and start helping women in tech. Now, I normally say happy listening before playing the talk, but that doesn't seem apt this week. So just listen, take in what is said and think how you can help your community and the wider community across the world. Um, my name is Brianna Wu. I'm head of development at Giant Space Cat. We are one of the few mostly female game dev teams in uh, the entire uh, industry. We work with Unreal. We make very, very cinematic games. Our first game, Revolution 60, just came out to astonishing uh, reviews. And um, yeah, I'm here today. So there we go. So, you know, I'm going to be talking, my talk is called Nine Ways to Start Helping and Stop Hurting Women in Tech. I would rather be up here today talking about almost anything else, literally anything else. I would rather be talking about Unreal Pipelines, you know, trying to do work with a small team, the entrepreneurial aspect. Um, I would rather talk about how women are an exploding part of the game dev market. This is the very last thing I want to be talking about. If you will talk to the women that are here in the audience today, I guarantee you they will tell you that they are also exhausted talking about this stuff. You know, we want to just, we're just like you. Like, we just want to be here. We want to make cool stuff. We want to found companies. We want to work with technology. So it kind of begs this question, why do we have to be here today talking about this? Yeah, the sad reality is these issues make or break our careers. Um, how many gamers do we have in the audience today? Can you raise your hand if you're a gamer? How many of you guys have been following Zoe Quinn and uh, Gamergate? How many people here know what I'm talking about? It's a mess. This is the most horrible thing I've ever gone through in my life for the last three weeks. Um, I've had... I've had pornography spammed to my account. I have had people hate mentioning me. 
thousands and thousands of times. I've had friends that have had their bank account hacked. I've had people that have had to file restraining orders over Gamergate. And what's happening right now is this whole bubble of anger towards women in my industry, games, kind of standing up and taking our place. We've actually, we're currently losing women in my industry for fear that we're going to be the next target of this kind of angry mob, this kind of going after women one by one anytime they perceive a weakness. Uh, we've lost Samantha Allen. We lost Jen Frank. We've lost Maddie Bryce. Um, so you know, these issues that we're going to be talking about today, you know, this isn't superfluous. This literally makes or breaks our careers. This is the question if we can stay in this industry and do the stuff that we'd love. This stuff is very, very important. So that's why I'm talking about this today. So, you know, there have been any numbers of tech uh, controversies regarding women this year. We're going to go look at a very depressing list in a minute. This is why I did this uh, talk during WWDC this year. This was kind of the ones that were up there. It was really hot. Um, you know, Julianne uh, Horvath, I'm sure you all heard about GitHub. You know, you have a CEO, this kind of on tape, you know, beating his girlfriend hundreds of times. You have code babes kind of coming out, sexualizing everything. And you had Google, and in the meantime, other companies releasing their diversity numbers, which are not great. And, you know, every single time I give this talk, this list just gets longer and longer and longer and longer. June was not good here for us this year, if you can look at it. This is kind of where we are today. And it really feels right now like it's kind of, it feels like the entire tech industry is kind of on the edge of coming to like this realization that diversity is important and you know, that things need to change. And you know, it's very frustrating for us right now. So this is, um, before we start today, I just kind of want to give you an overview of what it's kind of like to be a woman in tech and what we deal with. I did a piece for Polygon a few months ago. This ended up being one of the, uh, I think it was the 13th most read thing on the web th that week. And it was basically telling stories from friends of mine. I was amazed by how viral this went, because I just sat on my couch and punched this up in two hours. These stories are not surprising to me. They're not surprising to any woman in the industry. But you know, they were apparently surprising to the rest of the industry, like people that don't do this stuff every day. Um, so I'm going to tell you four stories very quickly. Um, you know, this myth is that women in tech kind of just need to grow thicker skins about the whole thing. Um, but the truth of the matter is, if you are women in tech, you are going to receive a tremendous amount of obloquy, both online, from peers. You're basically held and scrutinized a lot more. Um, so this is my friend Nicole Tanner, formerly of IGN. This is this myth that women in the industry kind of get this special treatment by being women. Um, basically, our looks get us ahead. Um, you know, it's this myth. You see it all the time. Women can just like use our feminine wiles and kind of um, get a lot of attention. The reality of it is much more complicated. So Nicole is a very celebrated journalist. Um, she had worked at literally IGM, which was at the top of its game in this era. She starts this podcast called Girl Fright, massively, wildly, crazily popular. 
And you know, they get this um, panel at um, they get this panel at PAX East that year. Um, and you can go through the panel and look at the comments for this panel. So it is literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comments attacking Nicole and her friends' looks over and over again. They're like, you know, Jess is the only one that looks okay. All the other women there need to go make me a sandwich. She can read comments calling them fat, old, ugly. Like these are women there at the top of their game in this field. People that I look up to on a podcast. Um, people that other women in the industry respect. And they're sitting there just dealing with all of this harassment that just devastates their self-esteem. You know, this is not, it's, it's not easier to be a woman in this industry. You're actually held to much more difficult standards. You know, this is another one. This is uh, from my friend Elise. This one's a really weird, heartbreaking story. So my friend Elise, um, you know, she's a good-looking woman in her 20s. She's a game writer for, you know, at this time, a major, major studio. And, you know, the idea is that basically this guy becomes sexually obsessed with her. And he starts writing this fanfic about her um, that's really just graphic and pornographic and awful in every single conceivable way. Um, and, you know, she's reading this and not just, like, dealing with this really weird Thing that this guy is sexually obsessed with her, but it's actually wandering into the rest of her life and you know, affecting her friendships there. She would tell me how she would go to game dev events, and every time she would be networking or doing her job, she'd be like, you know, is this the person that's writing me? Is this the person that's saying all this weird stuff about me? And it's kind of causing her to be distanced from everyone else. You know, this has a real lasting effect on her personally. You know, this is my own story that I'm going to tell you. Um, you know, all the time from kind of the peanut gallery in my field, which is game dev, we're told that if you don't like the way women are represented in tech, in uh, video games, if you don't like us being bimbos, you know, eye candy, the girlfriend, you know, the reward for you know, defeating Bowser, just go make your own game. And that's exactly what I did. You can ask my husband the amount of blowback, harassment, anger, threats, people calling me, garbage I get is absolutely crippling. I'm trying to do the same thing in my industry as every single male in this crowd is today. I just want to have a career, make cool stuff, make a product I believe in, give my team jobs. And to do that, I have to deal with an avalanche of BS on an absolutely daily basis. It's just absolutely exhausting to have to deal with. So, yeah, that's kind of where we are. I wanted to give you an overview from, you know, other women in this field. So, going forward, um, what we're going to do with these slides is kind of look at something that people, particularly men in this field, tend to do. And then we're going to look at maybe a better example of what you should do instead. So often when I talk about this uh, with friends, they talk about this issue of sexism or Gamergate like it's just another controversy of the week. Like it's just, you know, another fun event in the news. You know, did you like, you know, like, somebody winning a game. Like, it's this analysis we have in the, the media where it's just who's winning. And you pick a side and argue about it. Um, so very often what I run into, particularly with, you know, 
programmers and engineers. Like we tend to be deeply logical people. What we run into is people that kind of come up to you if you're a woman in this field. And they kind of just want to treat it like, you know, if you're talking about like, is DevOps an effective, you know, strategy? Like it's just another thing to discuss. And I feel like fundamentally what a lot of people don't understand about this is when you're on the other side of this, it is very difficult to talk about. It's hard for me to be up here talking to you today about this stuff. Um, it's deeply personal. If I'm standing up here in front of all of you guys and it's being taped to go up on the internet, like, you know, talking about the harassment I get or the people that write me or spam me pornography or I had one person that wrote a spam bot to like do nothing but spam my phone all day. Um, it's personal. It's not easy to talk about. So what I think a lot of you know, guys in this field don't understand is even if you don't get what women are dealing with, when you come up to us and say like, yeah, that's a good point, but hey, I've got all this great counter argument for us. This isn't fun. What you end up inadvertently doing is kind of invalidating our experiences. When you're starting a, a conversation and like what I'm saying is like, I would like to not get beaten up so much in my job. I think I should be treated as a person. And you're coming up to me and saying, yeah, well, I kind of agree with that. But if you considered this other stuff, you know, that's, it takes a toll on me. It sends me a message personally that you don't you know, consider me a person. And what you may not realize that you're doing is when you have that kind of discussion, you end up you know, dismissing our experiences. So what I would ask you to do instead is, you know, when women talk about our experiences, don't argue with us, don't you know, say that's a great point, but just show basic humanity that you would show to anyone that's talking to you about something difficult that you went through. If you had a friend that were going through a divorce, would you talk to them and say, like, you know, that's a really good point, but, you know, did you really try your best to make it work with her? You know, like, you wouldn't say stuff like that. Um, you know, if you had a friend that was thinking of giving a child up for adoption, would you, would you be there and be like, you know, I support you no matter what. I'm here for you no matter what. Whatever you want is fine. Or would you, like, start lecturing her on what the best course of action is? Amazingly, this is what people do to women all the time when we voice our opinions on this. Take my word for it. Ask women in the audience today. You were told with loud, numerous voices, you're wrong. Your perception of your own life is wrong. It's amazing. Um, which leads us to this. This is a tweet. This is like not even, this is like half a thought that happens to me one day. You know, and this was when, uh, during WWDC, and, you know, I'm just talking about walking down the street trying to get freaking Moscone. And, you know, I'm avalanched by people like this jerk store. They're, like, telling me that my own perception of my own life, my own safety, and how I want to walk down the street is wrong. Just don't do that. I'm an expert on my own life. I can make up my own opinions about how to perceive my experiences. It's, it's all the time you're told this. You know, this is, this is a story I try to tell to really get this point across. They did a study a while back, 
and they were trying to figure out how to handle uh, Alzheimer's patients. So what they would find over and over again is that you know, these people would wake up, they wouldn't know where they were, and they would just want to go home. This is very common for people with that disease. So they would um, invariably find them at the, uh, the bus stop outside. And what they were finding with the staff is the staff would come up to them and they would be like, no, 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 you're home right now, you're fine. And the staff would be angry at them. But the truth is, for that person that had Alzheimer's, for them, their perception of their own life was correct. Their emotion of being scared and feeling like they weren't where they felt like they were was absolutely correct. It was absolutely accurate. So even if you disagree with the woman you know, factually on what we should do about you know, these issues in tech of diversity, just know that her own emotion about that is true. And just speaking to that emotion is basic human respect. So again, like if, if you had a black friend of yours that were telling you, like, this is what I face in the tech industry, I was actually talking to somebody um, on Saturday about this at Microsoft. You know, would you just say, you're completely wrong about that? No, it doesn't exist. Or if someone were gay and we're talking about you know, trying to come out to their parents, like, no, your perception is wrong. What amazes me about this is how freely people feel to do this to women. It happens to us all the time. And I don't, the best explanation I can come up for it is I think that there's this unconscious bias that men sometimes have that you know, I think it's inculcated into them very early on that, you know, everything they say inherently has value in that you know, a woman needs their input to kind of make up you know, her own mind about things. I think you see this everywhere in the culture. It's just simply not true. You know, when you respect our points of view, when you let us talk, when you let us be emotionally accurate and honest about what we're feeling, respecting that is about respecting us. This is, I love this cartoon. This is one of my favorite ones ever. This is absolutely what happens when you're a woman that talks about sex and sexism in the tech industry. I guarantee it. Like, if you look at my Twitter feed for four seconds, it's this all the time. You know, it's, it's ultimately not about you. And with all respect, I understand that these issues affect you as well, but... It's just crazy to me. It's absolutely crazy that we can start having a talk about you know, promoting women or be more conscious about women or promoting diversity. And instantly, the conversation comes, the dude jumps in there and is like, yeah, no, we must hire the best person for the job. It must be this, it must be that. How is this gonna affect me? If women get more of a, a place, is it gonna be fair to me? And yeah, that's just not, it's not respectful. Sorry. You know, with all respect, the traditional male perspective in this field is extremely well represented. If you talk to women in this field, we've heard it. We've got it. We know what you think. And those views are so overrepresented in the population already and in the conversation because it's the status quo that we're all living in. You know, just, just don't do that. 
Um, this is something that's not just great for women in tech issues. Uh, it's good for any issue. It's called the ring theory. I saw this a while back, and I loved it. So the idea is this came from um, an academic who had cancer. And what she found was um, she was in the hospital. If I recall correctly, she was recovering from chemotherapy. And you know, she's feeling very weak. And one of her colleagues comes to her and um, is saying, like, yeah, I know you feel really bad right now and you're fighting cancer, but how do you think this affects me and our department? <laughs> Which is obviously the wrong thing to say. So the idea is the ring theory. So if you have someone that's aggrieved or has been you know, injured by this, the person is going to be in the middle. And from there, it kind of circles out. So, you know, like say, like during Gamergate, I'm having people spamming me, writing me, threatening me, harassing me nonstop. I complained about this a bit. So I would be the aggrieved, I would be in the center of that. You know, from the next level out would probably be my husband. You know, like you see this stuff, maybe you're talking about this hurts me to see people doing this to my wife. You know, it kind of radiates out from that point. You know, maybe the next circle out is the team. So this is the ring theory. As long as you follow this formula, you're never going to say the wrong thing, and you're never not going to be a jerk. So just listen to us. This is an issue I did not understand at all until probably it was two and a half years ago. I'm a non-parent. I'm far too busy being an entrepreneur to you know, have children myself. Um, that said, my co-founder came to me two and a half years ago, which was three, three and a half years ago. It was like, I'm pregnant. Um, I'm about to have a child. And I was kind of very blissfully unaware of what it's like to be a woman in tech with a child. And I have to be honest, my eyes have really been open very wide to this and what women face. Um, this is a whole separate subject that you could do a talk on. Um, you know, to tell it very quickly, um, women in, in tech, generally speaking, the networking is set up for men and by men. So if you're going to ask a woman that has a child um, in school, if she can go out on a weekday, a weeknight, uh, to a bar at 9 o'clock at night, you know, to come network with you or go to some event, generally speaking, that's not going to work out super well for them. Um, so what you, you have is this culture of kind of um, networking events are generally made in ways that aren't very conducive to including women with children. Um, you know, I've seen this myself on other jobs upon reflection now that I look at it. You know, like women, a woman with a child is assumed to be obsessed with her child and, you know, it's assumed they can't perform at the same level. It's flat out sexist. This is not a standard we hold men to, generally speaking. Um, I can speak for my own team. I was personally worried about this when Amanda had her child. And what I found was you know, I didn't need to work with her, but I also found Amanda gained a much deeper perspective upon having children. It was extremely valuable to me and my company. So, you know, start doing that. This is touching on that same issue a little bit more. So, 
this is a harder one to talk about because this is one of those things that guys do unconsciously and don't understand maybe that they're doing it. Um, I can certainly say for myself in this field, I probably know more women closely that I could call up on the phone and talk to about a problem than I do men. So I understand this. And generally speaking, you know, guys do the same thing too. Like if you're an entrepreneur, who are you going to go to? Who are you going to bring on your team? It's going to be your friends. It's going to be the people that you really, really trust. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you cannot have anyone in the boat that can't row. So you're going to go to those people that you trust. Um, but one of the, the big problems with this is, generally speaking, a lot of guys are not super networked with women that are engineers or entrepreneurs or in this system. I guarantee you, as soon as this talk is over and we go to the Q&A section, one of the questions I'm going to get is, how do I meet, you know, find qualified women to be on my team? I'm asked this all the time. It's a very simple formula. You have to go out and make a deliberate effort to network with women. You must do this. And it takes conscious effort. The status quo is not taking effort to do this. And you keep going along. And you keep just meeting the same people that you're going to meet at the same events and talking to the people you feel most comfortable to. And that's the status quo. It's how we got here today. You know, make a conscious effort to meet other women in the, well, meet women in the field. Like, get to know them. Women tend to know other women. They're very qualified. So if you kind of make this very deliberate effort, then diversity kind of happens from there. Um, another thing I think guys don't really understand is the double standards that you know, women are held to in this field. For instance, my company, Giant Space Cat, we, you know, right now you have this drastic change in the market. And you have the, the biggest group of players is now adult women. Like they're a larger group than there are teenage boys that have nothing to do but play Xbox Live all day. And you're seeing this huge shift in the market. For a company like Giant Space Cat that makes cinematic, awesome experiences with strong, powerful women, this is a huge opportunity for us. But one of the big problems that happens is guys see our game and they go, oh, girls game. Oh, that's that company of chicks over there. And it's like we're mentally put in this other category. So when I go try to talk to bigger players like Sony, Microsoft, you know, other people, we're kind of put in this box that's, you know, in a, it's mentally discounted in some way. And because of that, we face a lot of inertia that guys don't. There's, there are these structural barriers to kind of keep us out that guys don't really think about. It's not because you're, you're a bad person or you're an outright sexist. It's just these systems, you don't realize you're doing it. If you take anything from today, I would just ask you to raise your consciousness about it. This is a really big one. Um, something I said a while back on my Twitter that surprised a lot of people is I've never, in all the talks I've done on this subject, I've never, ever, ever had someone come up to me afterwards and say, you know what, Bree? I'm part of the problem. It's always those other guys. <laughs> it's always someone else that's doing this stuff. And everyone is awesome, and they support women, and 
They just really want to stop those other people. It doesn't work like that. Like, I promise you, there are people sitting here in this audience today. With all respect, they're part of the problem in ways that you don't realize. And I know that, as best as I can tell with guys, like, you tend to, you put this label on yourself as being a nice person. And it's very painful mentally. Like, there's psychological blocks to considering yourself to have room for improvement here. Like, you're a nice person. But what this does is when you're labeling yourself in your head as, I'm a nice guy, I support women, it stops you from hearing anything, taking any criticism, or changing any of your behavior. This is a huge, 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 huge barrier that women face. And what we need from guys is to put away just a little bit of that defensiveness. Just listen a little bit more about your behavior. Just think about it a little bit more. And that kind of will start to deconstruct this stuff. Because we can't get through to anyone. We can't change anything if no one thinks they're part of the problem. And you know, I just have to say this. It, it cannot be, like we all agree that sexism is part of the industry. We all agree that women face barriers. But you know, how can we all agree that this is all here, yet no one is part of it? It doesn't make any sense. We all have a part to play in making this better. I have a part to play. Something I've, I've, I really try to stay open to and listen to is what other people in this field experience. I think you know, women in tech sure gets headlines. But I'll tell you this, there are a lot more women in this field than there are black people in this field. There are all kinds of conscious biases that keep people out of this area. And what I try to do, personally, is when black people talk about the difficulties they have like kind of getting into programmer culture. I had one friend of mine that was talking this week about how um, he noticed that when he was replying on Twitter to groups of other engineers, he was left out of the, um, left out of the tweet stream. And so he started another account. And he just put a face of a cat there rather than his own face. And what he found is that the cat avatar, him, same opinions, claiming the same job, same expertise, same interests, had massively, massively, massively more feedback. That's a real problem. That is me admitting to you today that I could do better at including you know, black people in my, my personal circle. I've had to learn that maybe I had a ways to go for being conscious of what parents face in this industry. And we all have a part to play in growing and learning about this stuff and getting better. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, you should know there's no shame in making mistakes. They are inevitable. You know, what the problem is is we make a mistake and don't learn from it. This is a huge one. I love this one. People think of sexism in tech and the barriers women face is like this madman moment of like two dudes in an office chomping on a cigar, you know, drinking bourbon, saying like chicks can't code. <laughs> That's it's just not the way it is. Like it's so much man, if it were madmen, if our problem was Don Draper, we'd have this game on lock. Like we could solve that. 
you know, it's, it's a much more insidious, dark problem that we have. Um, it, it's the things I've talked about. Like, there was a New York Times article recently that talked about like women leaving tech because of a death of a thousand cuts. And by the way, we do leave this industry at rates, even with as few of us as there are here to start with, we leave the industry at rates that are three times higher than men do. Um, I was speaking at PAX Prime uh, a week ago, a week and a half ago, and they were talking about, like, I was talking to a 20-year-old woman. She's on TV at GameSpot, if you walk in there. Um, and she's talking about how her you know, BS meter is almost maxed out at this point of just all the stuff that's happened to her before she just wants to go somewhere else. Yeah, sexism in tech is not this horrible moment in Mad Men. It is constantly being told that your opinion about your own life is wrong. It is constantly being told, you know, you know, you're you are included. You know, if you get more inclusivity, it will affect me. Um, it's just these little things all day long. If you want to see like what we deal with, go look at my mention stream on Twitter after this. It is, I have a lot of support, I have a lot of awesome people, but I get harassment nonstop. Every single one of those things is a, um, is a cut. And I think that what guys may not realize in this field is that tech very often feels like, it's like you're, you're a child again, and the boys are in the clubhouse or the tree fort, and they have a big sign outside that says, you know, nobody else is welcome. And it's very much what it feels like. I mean, it's, it's like there are all these little things in the culture that, you know, kind of push you away. Um, I was playing a game this weekend. It was a fantastic game, uh, Danganronpa. And one of the things we found as you were playing is you would make emotional friendships with some of the, uh, the characters that you're playing with in the game. And as a result, as a reward of that, the game would kind of reward you with some of their lingerie after you made like, this friendship and emotional connection with them. And what that sends to women playing the game is you're not supposed to be here. You know, it's assumed that the player is male. This is told to you all the time in this industry. A friend of mine works at Harmonix, uh, and she was sitting on a meeting where they were going to hire another engineer. And the team lead, who is someone who thinks they're very for women, kept saying things like, you know, um, he, the good, a good applicant for this job, he would have X qualifications he would understand this, and kept using that male pronoun. And my friend called him on it, and he still wouldn't back away from it. That's just another small thing that says you're not welcome here. Here's another example of this. This happened at WWDC this year. Think about the subtle message that this slide sends. That's everywhere, by the way. You know, again, one of the things that we run into when, when we start talking about this, I get mansplained to all the freaking time about this stuff. And it's like, I was, let me give you an example. I was at a party this year. Um, Apple had just announced their Metal API. This is something, as an Unreal expert, I'm extremely qualified to talk about. 
Um, so I had written an article about Apple's Metal APIs, which basically bypasses the OpenGL layer to do things like particle effects much more efficiently. So I'd written this very technical article. And I'm sitting there at a party with someone. And this guy is, I'm like, and I'm trying, he's like, what do you think of Metal? You work with Unreal. And he starts mansplaining all this stuff to me about metal. And literally, as I'm doing this, he is quoting the article that I have written <laughs> at me at this party. And I call him on it. And I'm like, and I'm trying to like stop being talked over. And I'm like, okay, can I just tell you? I wrote that article that you're telling me I'm wrong about right now <laughs> using that article. And there's this awkward beat where he looks at me, and he blinks, and then he just keeps going. <laughs> just, and you know, it's funny, it's, it's a funny story, but it's demoralizing when this happens to you all the time. You know, as a woman that you know, leads an entire software engineering team on this, you know, it's often assumed that I don't understand this stuff. And it's very frustrating. This is a really big one. As we're moving forward in tech, we're kind of on a precipice right now. And it is going to change, guys. It is going to, you're going to see more women. You're going to see more black people. You're going to see more gay people you know, here in US startup culture. Like you're seeing all kinds of other minorities here. It is going to get very different from here. And I, as best as I can tell, this is my theory about this. Um, I gave a, this talk to MIT a while back, and I had a friend of mine that told me what the reaction was afterwards. And there was this really introverted MIT engineer that was there, and you know, he was talking about how scared he was that the culture was going to change. It wasn't going to be this you know, old dude sitting around drinking beer at a bar like in a way that was very close to him. And he was afraid that if you included women there, it was going to kind of throw off you know, this thing he really enjoyed about the culture. What that guy did not understand is the absence of his privilege, the absence of him not having an all-male group to hang out with, you know, the absence of his comfort was not oppression. That was equality. You know, it is going to change in ways that kind of make men in this industry have to be a little bit more inclusive. But that's not, it's just making it more equal for everyone. That's not oppressing you. I wonder all the time how many guys would last in this industry if they had my job. I had a meeting with a high-level person at a company I can't name a while back. And yeah, they were, <laughs> It came up that I gave this, I was going to be giving this talk. And like, he literally, someone in a major company, and starts laughing at the fact that I speak out on women in tech issues. That really hurt me. It made me wonder how many guys would last in this field if they had that same thing all the freaking time. Yeah, the truth is that tech has been built for men, by men, since the very beginning. You know, this is one example of what my inbox is like. This is just a day of the week, people. How many of you 
would truly be able to stay in this field if you had stuff like that flowing to you constantly? Do you know how demoralizing that is? It is to your benefit to raise your consciousness on these issues. It is to your benefit to, to kind of grow up and get a wider perspective. As we're going forward, yeah, like in 2014, it's no longer cool to be a homophobe, for instance. And if you have a real problem with gay people, that's going to freaking hurt your career. It's going to make people not want to work with you. Tech is changing right now. There will be more women here. There will be more inclusivity. It is to your benefit to raise your consciousness on this and to get with the times. You know, just talking about other meetings I've had, this is with a former person that I used to work with. And this was a day, you know, I'd had, I had someone write me talking about how they were going to rape me and rape my team. And I'm sitting there talking to this partner. And they're like, I'm like, they're obviously upset. They're like, who do I need to beat up? What can I do? And I'm like, you know, I just need you to add your voice to mine. I need you to speak out and say, this isn't cool. And this guy, this guy literally laughs at me and says, like, well, I don't think I'm any louder than you are. You know, I understand that a lot of men just kind of want to bow out of this issue and not touch it. It doesn't personally affect you. Though if you have daughters, maybe it's going to make you feel distantly connected to it. But the truth is, if I speak out on this stuff, people just disregard me as that angry feminist. You know? And if guys talk to other guys about this, you have a power that I don't. You're a peer. You're taken more seriously. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> you know, there was a quote a while back that I saw. This was from um, Martin Luther King. And he was talking about how he actually preferred you know, the outright racists during you know, the time of integration to the people in the field, like the, this, what he called the, the moderate white man, who was happy to accept like, a slow simmering injustice as compared to actual justice and equality and movement. And I'm telling you right now, the biggest challenge that women face is we need guys that are decent people that understand this stuff affects all of us to stand up and help us. Because if you just bow out and say, this is not my problem, this doesn't affect me, I don't want to get involved, this is going to get anger sent at me, it's just perpetuating all of this stuff. You know, and we run into this all the time. I, it, it just makes me crazy, because if you talk about this stuff, then you very often have men that kind of sit there and paternalistically say, it's like they feel like they're in charge of this, like they get to set the timetable. And it's, it's so lukewarm and accidentally dismissive of how we feel. It really hurts. This is going to be a bonus thing that I talk about from this slide. I didn't have time to work it in here. This is a bonus thing to do to stop hurting women in tech. Internet comments. You know, we're going through Gamergate right now. Um, so Anita Sarkeesian, a hero to many people in my industry, 
does a talk at XOXO this weekend and is basically saying the most radical thing you can do to support women in games is to simply believe us when we talk about our experiences. That's her article. And then you look at the, 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 the gold medal of not getting it, uh, unintentional irony here from people that are literally going through and not believing her and are going after her in the Verge article. This is all the time. So a bonus thing you can do to stop hurting and stop, start helping women in tech is simply don't like feel like a noble warrior on the other side of the keyboard or at your company, like kind of putting down the women talking on this. And just don't do it online. Every conversation you have on this stuff just gets hijacked really, really quickly. So I think we have 10, 20 minutes left, something like that. I do want to do some Q&A. So let's go to it right now. Some conferences have established a code of conduct document. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I mean, should is policy helpful at this point, or you know, should I, you know, I run a startup? Should we have an internal sure. diversity policy? And is there a good example of one that you like that I can copy? I, I can. <laughs> I can say for me personally, it's not important to me personally to have that. I don't care. Like, if something happened at this, I'd go talk to Mark. I'd be like, this guy was a jerk. Handle. Um, I can tell you there are many women in this field that do feel strongly about it. You know, it's up for them to make up their mind. So, um, you know, I'm a software engineer. I like practical solutions that work in reality. I don't really care about principle as much as I care about outcome. The outcome is if you take that document and copy and paste it, you're going to get more women at your conference. So seems like a practical solution to me. My name is Jonathan from Axelsoft. So throughout your presentation, you frequently uh, referenced gamer gates. Yes. And so I was wondering if you can kind of talk about what that is, what, well, you know, what's going on for people who may not be gamers. Sure. And maybe if you'd want, maybe talk about gamer culture in particular, and maybe why that might be even more nuanced than maybe the rest of the tech and yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try to go through this quickly. Um, something I've learned about Gamergate is you can't explain it to people that are not tech people without sounding a little crazy, because it's just that bananas of situation. Long story short, there's a developer here in Boston. Her name is Zoe Quinn. Um, and an ex-boyfriend of hers got very, very jilted at her and wrote this, uh, this entire site to do nothing but discredit and attack her. And um, it turned into this anger. And what you have right now is like this blowback from this, this explosion from people basically trying to attack someone I consider a friend, um, is you have gamers that feel like their identity is under attack, and they're very threatened by it. And they kind of have this, um, this motto where they're like, oh, we just want to root out corruption in the game industry. But the reaction, the reality of this is they are harassing and attacking all of my friends to the point that they're leaving the industry. So it's this very, it's this very hot fight right now. It's hard to even describe. There are plenty of articles about it absolutely everywhere. But the underlining issue is you have, as women are becoming more and more of a part of the gaming audience, and we like games that are a little bit different than your typical bro shooters, you have 
this portion of the, the gaming market that sets their entire identity in being gamers, and they feel like that's being taken away. And they're very, very defensive about it. So does that answer your question? Excellent. Let's go to someone else. Hi, Brianna. Um, thanks a lot for um, giving this talk. What I found amazing is how, like, literally how every point you mentioned here, like, applies to being black. And, I mean, just like your last example about how, like, people are telling you that you're wrong. Like, when I talked about that Twitter experiment that I did, I, like, it's amazing, like, how I got, like, within 10 minutes, I got at least 10 people telling me that it has nothing to do with either being black or whatever. Like, right. just, yeah, people just, like, sending me, people who are, like, who I'm following, sending me direct messages, asking me, like, what's wrong with me. People sending me emails, um, people sending me like those same type of emails that you're showing with um, like women or the niggers or whatever. Like I get pretty much the equivalent of that for, yep. yeah. So yeah, thanks a lot for giving this talk. I just want to say it, it is the same playbook. It is frequently the same people. It is the same structural issues that black people face in this field. And I think you cannot say it enough. I mean, at least there's you know, a double-digit number of women in tech, and that's not true of black people. And I think about the entire culture of tech and how it kind of pushes women away, and I really sometimes wonder how that must affect black people, where it's that much harder to kind of get your foot in the door of this tech culture. Like, this is a systematic thing that affects absolutely everyone. And I think you cannot say it often enough. Like, we... I, I personally don't make any apologies for speaking to you know, my experience as a white woman in this industry, because that's what I know. That's what I can speak to the best. Um, but I'm right there with you all day long. And like, if you came to me and you're like, you know, I'm, I need help networking, I need someone to listen, I'm there to be your ally all day long. And I think we've all got to feel that way. So I feel very strongly about that. Let's go to... Cool. Um, Austin Dimmer, Effective Computing oh, again. There. Um, there's a guy uh, that runs a podcast called Scott Hanselman, um, and he's he would be what I would think as being the the nice guy trying mm -hmm. to be understanding, but he, he he does a great job in my opinion of raising awareness of these types of issues, and he tries to get women onto the podcast and talk about these issues of race, gender, disability, and so forth. And, and I find it's, uh, it's useful for me to listen to that type of thing, but where's your dividing line between the nice, understanding guy and, you know, it, it, it seems difficult. If I, if I spoke to you, I'd, I'd say, yeah, I understand your issues, and sure. I, I agree I wouldn't write these nasty comments on, on you know, on right. the internet and things. And, but then where's the line between me just trying to be nice and actually making a difference? Sure. I would suggest to you probably that just asking that question means you're probably not part of the problem. It's kind of like, uh, what's the Supreme Court uh, quote about pornography? You know, when you see it, you know, generally speaking, if there are guys out there, I've especially noticed this with men in the field that have daughters that are thinking about their actions. What can I do differently? How can I support it? If you're thinking actively about what you need to do to change things, you're probably cool. If you're like, I'm perfect the way I am, I know what I'm doing, thanks. You're probably not. So that to me is where the line would be. Right. Hi, Mark, uh, thanks for talking about this. Um, I have welcome. two daughters, there they are, they're one and three. Um, I don't know, I have uh, one anecdote and a, and a question. Uh, my wife is a physician mm -hmm. and she was doing her residency at a very prestigious institution here in Boston. Mm -hmm. And when she was a resident, one of the 
one of her other residents is looking at pornography mm -hmm. in the, the kind of room for residents, sure. a bunch of people in there together. And she spoke out about it. Everybody else just kind of shrugged it off. Yeah. She's like, wow, that's the environment here. Now yeah. we're out in San Francisco. Um, none of that bro attitude exists yeah. in the field of medicine in yeah. San Francisco. So my question is, is there another industry that we can look to for a pattern of how yeah. to move forward here? A positive or a negative pattern? God, I hope a positive one. Yeah. Um, I, I work in this field, so I can't say. I can say I used to work in politics. It wasn't as bad. Um, actually, my husband has a, can I say this, Frank? Like, he has a PhD in bacterial genetics and works for Novartis. And you know, I don't work in that field of biotech, but from what I've seen on the outside, I think that that kind of hard science tends to include women a little bit better. I mean, it's, most, it's half, almost half women and half men at your company. So I don't know much about Novartis and their actual hiring policies, but it, it seems clear to me there that women are taken seriously. I think there's, um, in that hard science, there's at least uh, an academic understanding that women should be treated more equally. So I'm not going to say it's perfect, but maybe that would be a place to start. Um, that said, I know people in other fields have said this is very much the same. So it, it kind of applies across the board. I wish I had a more positive example to give you as a shining light. Joe from Australia. It was Madeleine Albright who said there's a special place in hell for women who don't look after other women. I just was wondering if you can comment on your experience in tech, women against other women. I would love to. Um, so this is a very, this is a difficult issue to tackle. Um, the truth is, just because you have a vagina does not mean you're an ally to women in tech. And the truth is, especially in this field, a lot of us, it's very socially rewarded. It's extremely socially rewarded to kind of be like, oh, I'm not like those other women. Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to cause a problem. Like, just go do your boys thing and, you know, talk about, you know, women in very graphic detail, and I don't care. I'm just one of the guys. That is so unbelievably rewarded socially. So it's very understandable that you have women in this field that kind of disdain this and don't look out for other women. One of the biggest sexists I personally know is actually a woman in my field that has, um, she's, you know, she's older, and she has literal disdain for other women in the field. And her approach is kind of, I've got mine, you're not getting yours. I'm going to kind of protect this. And you know, it's very, um, we're very patterned to kind of go after each other. Like, um, again, I'm not a parent, but if you look at the war between stay-at-home moms and you know, moms that work, it feels like they're kind of culturally programmed fight against each other. Parents and non-parents, you know, I think, um, I think we kind of go after each other. See, like for these scraps of the pie when we need to be you know, going after bigger forces. So I have a few specific policies that I do because I really believe in supporting other women in this field. Uh, number one is, unless it's crazy, ridiculously egregious, I do not talk smack about other women in public in my field. If I have a problem with, it, with them, I take it personally. I, you know, I take it uh, privately, rather, because I don't want to kind of tear another woman down in public. Does that make sense to you? So even if I 
strongly disagree with them, I kind of leave that alone. Um, you know, and I just really look to network and introduce other women to opportunities wherever I can. I just started a podcast. Um, this is isometric. Last week, this is amazing to me. This is, by the way, is talking about an issue of diversity being a literal market demand and how it's good for you. So I start this podcast on 5x5. Five five. It's called Isometric. And the idea behind it is there aren't a lot of women voices out there in games. So let me go to my friends. Let me find you know, my, the women in this field I believe in. And we're going to start a podcast together to just talk about games. It has exploded wildly. Last week, we were higher rated than anything IGN put out. We were beating Giant Bomb. At one point, we were the number three podcast for a good part of last week. This is above major outlets, our little show on 5x5. Five five. So this is a case of me looking to support other women in the industry, us building something together and it being really awesome. So yeah. Brad Griesiak from Bendyworks. Thank you for sharing all of your experiences. Um, Absolutely. It was really valuable. Um, and without trying to mansplain, I'll, I'll share you w with you one of mine. Please. Um, so I basically won privilege bingo, um, you know, straight white cis, grew up in a, a fairly affluent uh, family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and about two and a half years ago, I had the self-realization that I was effectively a feminist in training. Um, and I've been working on that ever since. And the one thing that I found, uh, and I challenge uh, everyone else in this room to do the same, is uh, follow a lot more women on Twitter. Yep. Just, just do that. Like they don't even have to be feminists, just, just more women on Twitter. And that has uh, informed me more than pretty much anything else in my life. Yeah. If, if you're listening to different voices, you're going to change your opinion. I mean, I make a very deliberate effort to get out there and talk to anyone that's outside my group, you know? Yeah, there's my Twitter right there if you guys want to follow me. Yeah, let's do the last one. Hi, Amy from TechSmith. In response to his question about what men can do in the industry, yeah. you talk about dying by a thousand cuts. Yes. And I could not disagree with you more because it's the subtle things that people don't realize. It's being in a meeting and making a valid point and watching it immediately dismissed. Yeah. Just speaking up and reinforcing our point is supporting us. Yeah. Like That's what we need more of. So, Sorry, it's more of a comment than a question. But uh, So well, which part of die death of a thousand Cuts to disagree no, so, with. No, I'm yeah. agreeing with you. Oh, I'm you saying that okay. it's those subtle things that happen on a regular, <laughs> right. like every meeting you're in, you can see it where, oh, that's that's her in the room. So, yeah. and then another guy makes the exact same point, and all of a sudden it's listened to. Reinforce that she made a good point. We need to listen to that. That's all you need to do. That's huge. That is, I, I, if you're a woman in the room right now, raise your hand if that's happened to you, because this sure happened to me a lot. This comes back to that point I was making earlier, how you know, men have this intrinsic expectation what they say is valuable, and that what a woman says cannot possibly stand on its own without their input. It's this unconscious thing where our opinions are what we value. Femininity itself in tech is massively devalued. And just standing up for other women and helping us feel heard is huge, and we will love you for it. We'll be your best friend in the industry if you do that. You'll be making a huge ally. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.